Alright, welcome to WKNC. In today's episode of Connecting a Pack, I am joined by uh, Mena El Sayed. Um, Mena is a student at NC State University. Uh, she is from Egypt, and uh, she spent uh, some time abroad outside of the U.S. Uh, in the U.K., and today we're going to uh, explore her journey um, in the UK and her journey in the US and the lessons that she learned uh, throughout her travels. So um, Mena, it's it's a pleasure to have you uh, with me today. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. All right, yeah, that's awesome. So um, one of the things that I, I'd love to talk to you about today is is uh, the idea of, of moving out of Egypt at a mm. very early age. Um, I understand that it, you were 15 when you moved out, Yeah. right? So, um, what, many questions I have about this, but first, <laughs> why you know why did you move out at fifteen, and uh, what was that like for you to, to to just you know leave your 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 home country and spend uh, you know some time in a in a foreign country in the West? Yeah, um, it's um it's I think it's a critical question to why I'm here today. I believe um, so. I felt like. At the age of 15, I was in my high school year, and I just felt that there is more out there that I can discover more than my school curriculum, more than what I can reach. I came from a very small town um, in Egypt, so I didn't even live in the capital where usually most resources are to do anything and discover anything. And since a young age, I really have developed love for cultures and languages, and I just wanted to explore that more. And um, so from there, I start looking for better opportunities, like wow. ed educational opportunities. I applied for, um, I started like applying for scholarships. One of them was like one year exchange here in the U.S., but like do some logistics, it didn't work. And uh, then I came across the chance to apply for the UWC, which is, stands for United World Colleges. Um, and I, I would say this is from there the reason why it changed my life because. It was this amazing idea to live in a, in a boarding school in a country that could be out of a 17 countries all across Europe, Asia, in Africa, in the U.S., in Canada, in, in um, Costa Rica. Like there, you could be like, I didn't know where I would end up. And just the whole idea was very thrilling. And um, also to study a curriculum like the International Baccalaureate is something that is not limiting and something unlike my my curriculum back in my country that I could choose. I could choose which topics and which subjects I want to focus on. And I just like that power of learning because I came from a culture where you learn to get a certificate or you don't really learn, but you go through school to get a certificate. So um, <laughs> I wanted to learn something and I wanted to learn it not for grading, not for anything, just because I was always interested and I didn't want to do it like a side thing. So I guess I started that from an earlier age by learning Korean by myself. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, <Wow. laughs> uh, I I I feel this story is very like funny because I started watching Korean dramas like on the TV when they're dubbed, and then I was like, I want to I want to know more. I want to hear the episode faster. You know, I don't want to wait for it. So <laughs> let me look it up, and then I look it up and. I hear it with subtitles. I'm like, oh, this language sounds beautiful. I want to I want to know more. And then I watch more and more. And then I repeat after them. And I can I come some point, I'm like 11 or 12. And I'm like, oh, I can actually understand what they're saying without 
let me try to learn the language, like the writing. (laughs) So (laughs) it just kept going by a bunch of coincidence until I was 14. I went to my family. I was like, I need to learn more. I want to go to Cairo. So at the age of 14, I would skip school for two days and travel to Cairo the same day and come back to go to the Korean embassy to learn Korean um, for like a whole year because I did like a placement test and I came at level four out of level six. So and then from there, I went to the UK. And what is level four here? Is that like something significant or? Yeah. So um, in in the Korean embassy and the skills of learning Korean, you can take like like the IELTS or the the TOEFL uh, for English. There's one that's called Topic. Yeah. So um, level four kind of is it advanced intermediate. Wow. I finished I finished there like level five and half of level six. So that's kind of getting at the first spectrum of fluency. If you take topic test and it's like a, a credential like to do. So, um, so yeah, I think I just, it was very abnormal for my peers at school to find like someone skipping school for two days to go like travel <laughs> by themselves. And, oh, I bet. You know, and, and um, it was tiring. It really was. But I was just happy that I'm doing something I'm really passionate about. And I would remind this myself every day. I'm dozing off and like in the bus going back to my city at 11 p.m. after a long day. But wow. it was rewarding. This is okay. So a lot of things here I would love to explore with you. So there's there's the Korean language, mm-hmm. learning the Korean, and the idea of having a plethora of options when you were applying for an exchange year. Was it an exchange year? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. And you chose the UK. So if you okay, so you have you've learned the Korean or advanced level of Korean when you were fourteen. Uh, let me. I'd be interested to know why you didn't choose to go to South Korea when you were 15, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I guess, you know, coming from where I come from, the practicality of the scholarships and the funding is what leads you everywhere, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I I looked up a lot of, um, like, opportunities in Korea. It all seemed to be, like, an undergrad opportunities or mostly grad opportunities. And I was just, like, in my first year of high school. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had no other option, and um, and also the 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 exchange year was the one to the U.S., which the one I didn't end up going to. Uh, but the two years program that I've done, which is the International Baccalaureate in UWC, this is what I ended up um, going to. And the funny story here that you don't know which country you're going, and they choose for you, and then the, you know they'd be like, "Hello, you got accepted, and you're going to this country." Prepare Whoa. yourself. <laughs> but then the funny thing is to apply for this scholarship, it's from 16 to 18 years old. I applied oh. at 15. Wow. How did that work? So after they called me and like, you got accepted and everything. And ex- like the selection process is very extensive. You first send a written application and then you do activities day where you meet other p- candidates and and you play games to like kind of talk about your personality a little bit. And then after you select it from this one, Actually, sorry, before this one, you do like an IQ test before the activities day. Wow. Then the activities day and then an interview. That's like six people interviewing you at the same time. So after going through all that and they tell me accepted, I'm like, oh, but did you realize I'm 15 years old? They'd be like, oh, okay, we need to check about that. And they just leave me for two weeks and like they never give back and they... 
Wow. When I ask again, they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we checked your phone. You can go." I'm like, "No one told me." <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just crazy. So you know, you, you were 15 at the time. I mean, how did they? Wasn't there supposed to be like? Uh, I guess when you're under 18, you have to have like some legal guardian, right? Um, to, yeah. Yeah, like wasn't there? Like you can't even sign documents. I think when you're yeah. 15. How did they? How did they work around these these different? Uh, you know variables here you mean the, the like in terms of applying uh, yeah and in terms of like going uh to the like who's who's su- supervising these underaged individuals uh to travel there so like right. in terms of applying you just your parents have to sign one form that they agree for you to apply and then n- not like in the future process you don't need to any kind need to do any kind of signature mm-hmm. but in terms of traveling um yeah like every visa every visa document I needed they needed to sign some stuff and uh, apparently they needed to come to my visa appointment which they didn't because I've been traveling by myself so why would they come and <laughs> had to convince the, the like the immigration officer like you know it's fine <laughs> I can do it <laughs> okay um, but um, wow but, yeah but like it, in the school itself it, it was like a boarding school and in the house you kind of had a house parent that supervised everyone Oh. And then you also had a tutor, like to supervise academically. And in my school, which is not the case in all schools, but we had something called check-in, which is like at 10 p.m. you have to come home and you get checked in, and the house gets locked. So it's it was a very like a safe process. That's why yeah. some schools mind having like people below 16. My school didn't because it already knew it has the measures in place that would supervise any age, basically. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So. Let's let's explore together the early days of of going to the UK mm-hmm. and um, you know being exposed to an entirely different culture. Um, what was it like for you to you know to to be surrounded by I guess an international community and uh, British people? Was it easy to to make friends? Was it hard? What was that like? Uh, I must tell you, I was so excited. Like I I remember <laughs> like I I felt bad because like leaving home and saying goodbye to my family I feel like I was more excited than I should look like when I'm saying goodbye (laughs) to my family but um, I've only traveled abroad once and it was to Saudi Arabia just because my dad worked there Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was like my first time to go to the west to like and for me and the UK I mean I was never I've always been a kind of person who's fascinated by more eastern cultures like I was really interested in India and Korea like in all these cultures but yeah. I was like, okay, the UK looks very impressive. I want to know what is this all about. And just the fact that I'm going to go to a school like that. I came from an education back home that I went to public all-girls schools in Arabic. So it's a, And in a small town. So it's as local and as mainstream uh, kind of education. Like okay. it wasn't like private schools or English schools. So it was a very kind of exciting thing for me. So I remember like, um, almost missing my connecting flights <laughs> and people calling my name. But I was like, I all I'm thinking that the excitement, like I'm going to make it. And then I arrive there, I find the school staff waiting for me and they're asking me which house and I'm trying to speak to every person, try to get to know where they're from. Oh my. Uh, like trying to see, oh, which, trying to see people from countries I've been interested in and talk with them. <laughs> like, um, so it was full of excitement. And um, once I arrived to school, I think that was my first culture shock. Um, that 
like it was a mixed housing like you, like boys and girls lived in the same house yeah. and um it's not something that I'm really used to seeing back home and it's not something that I had a problem with but more like I was observing a lot what's going on like and you know they our second years were people who have been living there together for like second year now so they're very used to each other they're like their interactions and everything so I was like oh wow they do this oh wow this is interesting <laughs> like it was it, it took a lot of observations and I was like very surprised uh, but I don't think it got me to feel any negativity because I was very comfortable with myself mm -hmm. I was very comfortable for what I did and what I stood for and how I conducted myself so I was like oh they're doing this I'm happy for them you know wow. I'm also happy for myself <laughs> okay so um so yeah wow. I, I I was very excited that's what I would describe the whole time period this is okay now this is fascinating I mean even you know ever, since the start of our conversation we didn't even talk about how you managed to to learn English because we focused on Korean and you said <laughs> and you even said like you were in an all Arabic school, right? Yeah. So, well, I mean, what was that like? How did you even learn how to speak English? Um uh, I mean, I don't know. I I just I I guess I picked up language easily when I was young. Uh, I would watch a lot of shows, a lot mm -hmm. of American movies. I was obsessed with those like um I had like, I feel like I had early teenagehood in my childhood, but I was obsessed with all like those makeup tutorial videos and like room tours and all of that. That's how I picked up an American accent very earlier on. Okay. okay. Uh, but <laughs> uh, that's like the part of my, my past I'm not proud of. <laughs> um, You're fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's how I learned English basically. Like English at school was not something that is taught very strongly. We were taught English speaking Arabic, like using Arabic. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that was um, was very strong. But I just, I watched a lot of shows and that's how I picked up English. Okay, wow. That No, that's that's honestly quite remarkable. Like you were <laughs> juggling between three different languages. And, <laughs> you know, no, I, I mean, you, your English is really, it's, it's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> this. I didn't even expect that you knew how to speak Korean. So that's an interesting <laughs> fact. Um, so, so tell me about, you know, the, the memorable or, you know, a few of the memorable experiences uh, about your time in the UK. I'm sure there have been many, right? Yeah. <laughs> because the excitement was through the roof. Yeah. I think every single moment, I guess, was something that was memorable for you. But uh, maybe we can narrow it down to a few, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I mean, to say the least, it was really a roller coaster um, because it's it's basically taking someone out of everything they're familiar with. You know, when you're when you're back at your home with your friends and school like in back home you kind of you've been there for a while you know the norms you know everything but imagine you're thrown in a in, in an international school where every person has their own way of communication their own kind of background of what friendship is and mm -hmm. and and put that aside the IB the international baccalaureate like it was a jump from learning Egyptian curriculum and Arabic to learning the international baccalaureate like I was taking subjects like in anthropology, higher level world religions, huh. uh, design technology, um, and and I was taking Arabic self-taught, which was very interesting because we were studying Arabic literature, which is something I haven't studied like back home, wow. and of course English. And, um, and I remember, I think one of the critical time was trying to read those readings for anthropology and world religions, and I'm like, I'm struggling. I maybe know how to converse with people, but I don't know how to 
read an academic paper mm-hmm. or get aside write one, you know, <laughs> and and um, and it, it, I remember struggling with that a lot, and but I felt like there's no way to get out of it, and like except just sitting down like putting every word into a translator and memorizing it and going from like the basics. Wow. So to read one page, I'll take two two hours at least to kind of comprehend. And it it was a constant process of feedback with like teachers and all of that. But that one I felt really challenged and I felt like all my education before had failed me miserably. <laughs> oh no, <that's> <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I I I survived it, I would say. Um, you know, and and then next I feel like the part that really got me through as well is the people that I met. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have been the happiest socially and with my friend group in these two years because you found there it was a quite diverse school, not just in terms of um like where people come from, not just in terms of race, it's also in terms of thinking, in terms of um, ideas, in terms of uh, different things. So you found people who like, like my best friend, uh, she was from Bangladesh and she had lived 10 years of her life in Egypt and she speaks Korean. So okay. like yeah, this is this is funny. <laughs> this is fascinating. I know. <laughs> oh my. And we met by chance. Like I was I was friends with her roommate and then one day we met, she was like introducing me. Oh, and this is also my other roommate if you want to meet her. So Wow. So this yeah. Is, wow, the diversity must have been off the charts, yeah. you know, at school. You said it was a boarding school, so that means I guess, you know, it was easy to have um uh, you know, communications with, with people for coming from different uh, parts yeah. of the world, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so w- toward, toward the end of, of your, uh, of your time in the UK, uh, did you do certain things that you would think were, were like, uh, you know, you were like, oh, I mean, now I'm leaving, I have to do this before I leave, or like, did you prioritize <laughs> cer- during th- certain things that you think are, um, <laughs> maybe hilarious maybe uh, yeah. Memorable. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um i i i'm not a quite a risk taker i i have found but maybe at these years i was more of a risk taker so mm-hmm. one of the things that um was not allowed to do in the school is to do something which called nitride let me so i remember how i explained there is a check-in process where you get locked in your house at ten fifteen. Yeah, it's like curfew. Yeah, uh-huh. and it was very strict that like even our windows had restrictors, so you cannot open them for like more than five centimeters, or something, just to get some oh, air in. Wow. So um, something that people would do like a lot in the years, and I felt like I have to do it just for the fun of it, is people cut these window restrictors. Like not me personally, but like there's a one window that we all know that this restrictor cut, <laughs> and then after the curfew, a certain time. You jump out and you try to sneak into someone else's house. But the school is very big. It's like a, um, it's on a cliff and you have the Bristol Channel next to you. And it's like there's fields with sheep uh, farms around you. And oh, it's, it's very like vast. Sight to behold. Yeah. And, and, and the interesting thing is that there are night porters, uh-huh. which are people who are their jobs to walk around the school and try to catch those students who are night riding. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the whole thing was about um, 
like trying to hide before like I like I crawled on the ground like way up and then you hide after a tree and then you hide on the grass when you see them coming and <laughs> like it's a it's and then I went to my second year's house and like jumped in from the window it was like a whole like kind of a movie action type <laughs> of thing and I just went there and I slept to my friends but I just I did nothing, oh, but wow. I just wanted to do it for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some sort of covert op, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like a mission. Yeah. Wow. That, okay. This is <laughs> this is funny. Wow. Th- and I mean, I would... I That is risk-taking at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So, okay. So, um... You, you, you get back... Uh, so, you finish your year and you go back to Egypt. Um, mm-hmm. it, what was it like to... Sorry, you were going to say something? No, it was two years. Two years? Yeah. Oh, so you have, I would say that you might have developed a very strong connection, I guess, to living there and to to, the friends and all of the acquaintances. Wow, this is is incredible. So two years and then you go back to Egypt for a year or what happens next? No, I just go back to Egypt in summer and then I come here in the U.S. for undergrad. Wow, so so you went for just the summer. Uh-huh. After spending two years abroad, mm-hmm. and then you go to the U.S., the, was it all planned out, or how how did that work? Uh, uh, so my school has um, this donor. His name is Shelby Davis, basically, who has this program. Whoever graduates from a UWC school mm-hmm. in the seventeen countries, um, he would donate twenty thousand dollars for their undergrad tuition. Wow, with very some generous. yeah and 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 in partner universities and partner universities like they're very it's a big list mm-hmm. and also many of the universities especially my university that I went to uh they double that and they also cover housing as well so it's kind of a full scholarship kind of thing this is incredible so so wow. everyone in UWC knows that like they mainly applying for the US because we all know that we're guaranteed $20,000 just the moment we apply for a university to get in this, okay so you uh and do you tr- what universities did you say you applied to or were you restricted no, in, I mean, uh, you, you're restricted to 10 just because to be able to do it, <laughs> because you know how right. university applications are. Um, but yeah, I applied for, I think my top choice was Minerva. Minerva? Yeah, because... Was that the one that takes you abroad to yeah. different countries? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I was not like ready with leaving like the whole international life. I wanted to kind of jump across uh-huh. um like while in undergrad i went to turkey and i went to china and i went to czech republic and i just like the whole life of traveling <laughs> uh but i'm also kind of glad i didn't get into minerva because i met people um in korea who were in minerva and just the idea that every semester for four years you're in a different place seemed like um i think at that age seemed a bit disorienting i wanted to have oh. a place and a community and just you know be rooted down somewhere to kind of get the best yeah but uh yeah i applied for maybe nine universities whenever being my top choice and then i get accepted in um in university of oklahoma which where i eventually went uh-huh. and i was waitlisted in rochester which is a place i really wanted to go to but turns out if i had got in i would have needed to pay some of money which i would have not been able to pay so oklahoma really had was the best choice um, for two reasons. First being uh, the financial aid. They have an amazing financial package. They go above and beyond not just in tuition and housing, but also you're given like 10000 like you give, sorry, $1,000 every semester for like to buy school books and 
and stationeries and a bag every year and all of that. Okay. Like, and then you have a whole office that's dedicated to you that they do the admissions. So they only look at UWC applications and then they're there throughout the four years to help you with anything you need. Wow. Yeah. And then this is, I guess that's the best choice you could have. Yeah. And then the for. second reason is it had the biggest UWC community. So you have like now an international community, but also pulled from all these 17 colleges around the world. So not just in, from like all, we went to the UK, but went to India, went to Italy, like went to East Africa, like Tanzania, like all people. And wow. so it was, it was amazing to kind of live with this international community again for four years. This is, no, this is fascinating. And it's, it's funny how, you know, after spending two years in the UK, you're still still jumping abroad, you know? <laughs> like you don't I don't think you've had like I guess a, a rest period that was extensive. And I find that, you know, admirable, really. Um so you, you moved to the US and how old were you at the time? Was it uh I would imagine eighteen, right? First college uh, year. First semester was seventeen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> what was it like to transition to the U.S.? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> that a That was a move. difficult transition. I, I don't know if people in the U.S. realize this, but the U.S. always, for me, it was very different than any place I've been in, the, like, in the whole world. Yeah. The culture in the U.S. was very distinct. And um, the vastness of the U.S., the, um, and also I went to Oklahoma out of all places, which is, like, <laughs> mix of South and Midwest. And, like, Norman was not really the busiest city, I would call it as well, that, I think the biggest culture shock that I cannot get over until today that I need to get on the highway to go to get groceries. <laughs> I still cannot get over this that. It's frustrating. <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was a rough semester at the beginning. Uh, though I like I knew people going there. Like the person who went to my UWC um, two years before, like graduated once I entered, was in Oklahoma. So and he's Egyptian. So I I knew him. Okay. Uh, I had also another like person that I was accepted with me in UWC and she came with me as well to Oklahoma and beside like there was a big community but it was kind of difficult to um, get over the first culture shock here in the U.S. I think in the first semester. Yeah no I would imagine it would be because even like college in general I mean college is an entirely different environment mm -hmm. you know very it's a huge transition from you know high school yeah um even though you had an international experience, you know, you, you it was still kind of tricky. But I'm glad you uh, you were able to conquer all these challenges <laughs> and uh, spend how how many years? Four years in Oklahoma? Uh, four years. I mean, I did semester abroad in Korea, but yeah, overall so four years. Wow. And uh, maybe here we can talk about some of the you know I guess the the key takeaways from your experience in uh, in Oklahoma, right? Or maybe mm -hmm. memorable experiences. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine there would have been like an undercover operation no. in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> there was no curfew, <laughs> thankfully. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I feel like um, it was it was how to conduct a community, but more in, in, a, in a bigger scale and not just like a fun hangout, but also a support community. And um, we had... I've I've been I've been the president of the Arab Student Association. I've been the event chair of the Arab Student Association. I've been the event chair for the International Student Advisory, which is a place where all international students and associations kind of like umbrella under. So it was like a big, um, it was a big organization. And also I worked with the international like 
services office, like immigration in the university for two of my years. So it was more of a professional setting how to create ties and cooperation and and spaces for international students. And like it made me really passionate about international students' voice, like um, Mm -hmm. the theme of your podcast, but also... um, how how such places really aid into their success and act like a support spaces, and especially with events happening in the world, you know that they only have a, you always have this community to lay like back on and and they support you. I think that was the main thing, and um, this is something I always be thankful for. Um, like everyone I worked with in Oklahoma to kind of install in me this whole idea of wanting to belong to a community that you know will be there despite their or maybe because of their diversity (laughs) you know you might you might not know about this cause or reason before but now you have heard someone in your community who's doing this and you want to do an event to talk to people about it you want to do a fundraiser you want to showcase your culture and through that you want to speak about what you and you you know we had all kinds of um interactions and events and that and I think that uh, what made Oklahoma really a comfort space and and, and I, I still go there and I'm going there soon <laughs> Just, really? yeah okay wow so yeah. you are still very much connected yeah to Oklahoma mm-hmm. wow that's that's incredible I like that you're you know you built that sort of international community try to amplify your voices I think it's it is essential we should definitely celebrate the diversity that we have mm-hmm. um so uh, now that you've transitioned to a master's program, how is that? Was that a big move? Was that a big transition? Um, or what would, how would you describe it? It was. It was a big move. Um, well, first, after I graduated, I applied. Um, I applied for actually PhD programs in anthropology because that's what. Really? Yeah, what I'm mainly interested in. But I feel like just to. Um, I didn't have the essential foundation to start a PhD program, mm-hmm. especially coming from an international studies background. So it was kind of difficult to uh, get into any of these programs. And then I applied for masters in um, in, in Oklahoma and also in NC State. Um, but what happened is that I got a job and I decided to work for a year to just discover what is working life is all about. Mm-hmm. and. Um, also, the job was to help. It was an international education and help international students coming on exchange programs and different kinds of programs into the U.S. Wow, um, okay. And there was a remote job, so I could have been anywhere. <laughs> um, so I felt like it's ideal. It's everything I care about. It's uh, also trying a new kind of lifestyle. It's a good pay. And um, also being remote, that kind of gives me a lot of flexibility. And then when I deferred both of my programs like to after this year and it was it was an amazing uh, experience I would say uh, though I moved to North Carolina then uh, during this whole year and it was uh, it was kind of difficult to start a remote job while moving to a new place but right. okay. the mm-hmm. reason why I really moved to North Carolina and also a big reason of why I chose NC State because I felt that as much as I am really happy with my experience in Oklahoma I wanted to be in a bigger space and um, I wanted to be in a bigger and more dynamic city than I was in Oklahoma. And I felt that was very limiting to discover new opportunities and uh, meet new people and being uh, close to major cities like D.C. or New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Oklahoma, I felt I'm kind of far from that. And um, I wanted to experience that. I wanted to 
to be able to go to New York, attend an event um, for a weekend or do <laughs> the same thing in, in D.C. or even Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill. They're quite dynamic cities that have like really amazing universities that really allows a lot of opportunities. And um, that's why I was I was ready to move to a new place and transition to master's. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm really glad you made that decision. I think <laughs> it's you. it's the right move. Um and uh no, I I really I find your story quite remarkable, Mena, and I think it's I think 30 minutes uh is not enough to have a conversation <laughs> with you, but uh, you. since we're, you know, wrapping things up, would you like to add uh, anything else before we we close off? Um, that's, a, that's the hardest question out of them all. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'm really happy to be here and I'm really thankful that um, your podcast is doing something that I deeply care about, which is um, amplifying like international students' voices because mm-hmm. um, it's important to not only be seen as international students, it's important to be seen as a, a human being with a story, with a background, with hopes and feelings and families and ambitions and um I think that's um, what's amazing in being here, you know, mm. and sharing these stories together. I I find that. Uh, thank you, thank you for for saying that. I I totally agree, and that's exactly why you know I you know I decided to to run this entire podcast because I really really want to hear these unique stories just to just to make people understand that uh, diversity goes you know goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, So thank you so much for joining me, Mena. I'm glad we had this conversation. (laughs) Thank you.